everybody out there in podcast land. This is Combat Sports with Rhino, your number one combat sports podcast encompassing all things combat sports. We're talking boxing. We're talking MMA. We're talking kickboxing. We are talking Muay Thai. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't say thank you enough for all of you who tuned in last week to my inaugural show. The response and the feedback was nothing but positive. You guys are just, just, just the best. So on this on this episode today, we're going to be talking about uh, UFC 245, of course. I mean, the biggest show in who knows how long. Three titles on the line from the T-Mobile Arena in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Once again, I am your host, The Rhino, here in downtown Adrian, Michigan, bringing you the who, what, when, where, why, and how of all things combat sports. So we are traveling back in time last night to UFC 245. Um, there, there was so much to cover from last night. So I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm going to cruise through a few things and I'm going to really delve into a few others. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. Um, I'm not going to cover the early prelims until later on when I do my quick review of those. So we're just going to start on the, uh, prelims of UFC 245, which we had Matt Brown, also known as the immortal versus kill Ben Saunders. Uh, as I talked about on the previous show, I thought maybe, you know, Ben Saunders having been active and Matt Brown having been out with uh, some some surgeries and having been out for a long time that maybe we weren't going to see the same Matt Brown and maybe uh, Killer B was going to get him down and get him a submission. And big wrong for the old Rhino. Uh, Matt Brown came out. Ben Saunders came out in the middle. Uh, they exchanged a little bit. They very quickly went to the ground. Ben Saunders, to his credit, dude, he was really trying for that triangle. He tried. He repositioned. Essentially, the entire first round was a stalemate on the ground. Uh, ben Saunders kept trying to get a triangle in. Matt Brown did a fantastic job of avoiding the submission. And um, I think really Killer B really wore his legs out. I mean, he just was kept squeezing and squeezing and trying to reapply it. It just wasn't happening. So once that game plan was out the window, I think he had really tired legs going into round two. They exchanged some more. Matt Brown dropped him, hit him with some of those hellacious elbows that he has, finished him with a few punches on the ground. So uh, second round TKO for Matt Brown. Uh, as far as this show goes and probably moving forward, I'm not going to do too many of the, so what's next for these guys? Because I'm seemingly, I always get those wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think I'm just going to, uh, you know, keep that out of the show. So what's next for these guys? It's constantly just going to be, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So moving up the line. So that was at uh, 170 pounds. Uh, moving up the line, we had a great fight between uh, Irina Aldana and Caitlin Vieira. Um, so... Aldana coming from Mexico and Vieta coming from Brazil. Uh, these two young ladies, they step in. And, I mean, from the jump, they were exchanging hard shots. I mean, this was – there was there must have been some animosity or something there behind the scenes because, man, were they throwing with intent to hurt. Um, Vieta looked a little bit more wild. Uh, Irene was far more of the technical striker, a little bit with straighter shots. But they both really, they wobbled each other. They hurt each other. It was really fun. It was action-packed. And then finally, Irina throws this left hook that just perfectly hits Vieta on the chin, puts her down. She was pretty much out. She could have walked away after that shot. But nope, she landed two more bombs, essentially, on her while she was incapacitated. So thankfully, Vieta was all right later. But uh, Irina Aldana, my God, way to put a stamp on that fight that was just beautiful um I, I really like her and i really think she has a skill set to move forward in the division so definitely looking for noise from her uh as time wears on so yeah definitely into that 
uh, Aldana Vieira, you know, she's still a really good fighter, and so she'll be back. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, the, the main event of the prelims, which was Jeff Neal versus Mike Platinum Perry. Now, Jeff Neal's coming off of, a, I think he had six-fight win streak going on. I mean, the guy was literally working as a waiter like just a few months ago. I don't know if he has left that job or not, but, you know, kudos to him for doing that, for for putting in that kind of effort and time, and he just wasn't making ends meet just with his fighting career. So, you know, I already liked him when I heard that story, and then I saw the dude fight. My God, what a monster. Essentially, he reminded me a lot of, well, I'm not going to say anybody in particular, but his skill set reminds me of a really good striker who also has the the athleticism and somebody to avoid being taken down and held down too much. He has great ability to get back to his feet, i.e. Chuck Liddell, you know, there's tons of other guys. So he comes out against Mike Platinum Perry, who everybody who's listening to this, I'm sure knows is one of the, one of the most brash characters that we have in MMA today. Uh, loves to talk shit, loves to brawl, loves to incite passion amongst the fans, whether it's to like him or dislike him. Uh, so they come out, and once again, you know, we were looking at a brawler. We were looking at a brawler and Mike Perry kind of stalking down. Uh, Neil, Neil was using great uh, angles, cutting off, sticking and moving. And DC even commented that in the pre-fight, uh, one of the pre-fight interviews, that Perry said he wanted to go back to the old Mike Perry, the guy who just kind of storms forward and, you know, throws. Well, that wasn't the right move in the end because Jeff Neal, bink, high kick, rocks Platinum Perry, who goes careening into the cage. <clears throat> Jeff finishes him with some beautiful fucking shots, puts him down, end of story. Uh, yeah, Jeff Neal, you know, and then... A self-aware man is what I called Jeff Neal because in the post-fight interview he said, and he was being legit, He was he's not ready for a title shot at 170 yet. And I, I really appreciated that about him. I appreciated the honesty. He said he's two to three fights away, and I think he's right. But does this guy really have all the tools to become a champion at 170? You bet your ass he does. He is so hardworking. He has great technique. He seems so calm, so he's got the right mindset. I'm a real, real stan at this point for Jeff Neal. So definitely, definitely love the guy. Can't wait to see what's next for him. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, the main card where we had. And, yes, I am I am leaving out the Heinich fight. I just it wasn't into it. It wasn't for me. I was doing some other things. So um, we are going to move on to the main card with, and I said it before in the first show, I don't like, I didn't like this fight. I didn't like this fight. I'm a huge Uriah fan. I did not like this matchup for him. <clears throat> there's something about, there's something about Petra Jan that is special. And I, and I know I've said that about a few characters and I know everybody else does too, but there's something in this guy who's special. So I didn't think it was a good matchup for him. They come out. The first round didn't have too much action. It was a lot of, you know, fainting and moving and whatnot. A um, little bit slower pace. The second round, Petra came out strong, dude. Hard, hard punches, hard knees. Uh, he cut Uriah's face up. He blew up his left eye. Uriah Faber being just tough as fuck. Kept on fighting, kept on going. Finally, a front kick that was reminiscent of, very reminiscent of when Anderson Silva hit uh, hit Vitor with that upkick, and then also when Leoto the Dragon Machida hit the same very similar upkick to Randy Couture, it was kind of like that. Petra hit Faber with that huge front kick, hit him right under the chin, put him back into the ground, out. So do I think Uriah Faber would be back? I do. He signed a six-fight deal with the UFC. He is also... 
I don't know, man. I, I really liked his energy in the fight. I thought he looked good. He just went against somebody like Petrion, who, again, I've said before, this kid's going to be a champion one day. I'm serious. He's got that He's got that capability. He's got that talent. He is a stud. I would like to see Uriah Faber go against somebody kind of like his first fight back, like a Ricky Simone type of guy, more of a ground fighter, not someone who's going to fucking push him to that kind of length to take that kind of beating at this stage in his career. So Petrion, once again, Gets the victory over Uriah Faber via front face kick stoppage. Uh, moving on to one of the more controversial fights of the night, we had Marlon Marjais versus the new addition to the 135-pound division, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, former 145-pound champion, um, phenomenal guy. A lot of the talk and a lot of the traffic on Twitter and on other social media was the weight cut. You know, him moving down at this stage of his career, he looked awful. You know what I mean? To be honest, most of the pictures, he had a gray consistency to him. He, he just looked awful. Uh, it didn't matter that night. It didn't matter last night. He came in, and he looked like Jose of old, to me anyway. Um, he had phenomenal punching. He, he was just in the pocket the whole time. Both of those guys, Marlon and Jose, were back and forth. You want to talk about a razor-thin fucking fight to call? That was it. Um, I think, you know, the, the one of the biggest... One of the biggest problems I had with the weight down was not only was he going to be depleted, but he hasn't been throwing the leg kicks his last few fights that he's so famous for. He's looked like he has faded later in fights, which I I just thought maybe that 135 cut was going to bring on those things again, perhaps exacerbate those deficiencies. It really didn't seem to. You know, Marlon Marjais is a phenomenal fighter, former WSOF champion. Uh, he, he's a killer, and I thought he was going to win. I didn't think it was going to be this close. I thought Marlon was going to steamroll through Jose. I was dead wrong. Great fight. Marlon Marjais does get the split decision. Two judges had it for him, 29-28. The other judge had it for Jose, 29-28. That was an intense war of a fight. Both guys should be proud. I definitely want to see both of them again. Uh, just so impressed. Yeah, I couldn't say enough about those guys. Phenomenal, phenomenal fight. I do worry that Jose's future at 135, I mean, that just looked awfully awful. It really did. I'd like to see him go back to 45. I really would. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on that one. Uh, moving up to our first title fight of the night, we had Amanda the Lioness Nunez versus Jermaine Durandamy. And this one did not go kind of the way I thought it was going to. I thought, even though Jermaine is a fantastic stand-up fighter, uh, Muay Thai background, uh, multiple-time world champion in that, in that sport and kickboxing, I haven't liked the way she's handled herself, essentially, especially with the whole winning the 45 belt, not wanting to fight Cyborg. Then she saw what Amanda did to Cyborg. Could she, you know, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Uh, Amanda, it was one-way traffic. You know what I mean? Amanda was never in trouble. The thing, that, the thing about this fight that I found kind of interesting was Amanda didn't really put her foot on the gas too much. She really kind of seemed to just kind of be going with the flow. I don't know if she was worried about... I don't know what her cardio was like this camp, but she really didn't seem to push like the way that she has pushed before. Um, as far as as far as GDR, she was tough as nails. She stayed in the fight. She, she you know she really she tried, but Amanda is just too much. There was one point where Amanda had her down, and Jermaine just stayed in her back, and Amanda was just punching and punching and punching. Thankfully, GDR was able to cover up and not take too much damage from it, but it was like literally 18, 20 punches unanswered. I thought. I thought the fight was going to be stopped at that point, but it wasn't. You know, it was completely, it was a completely dominant performance once again by Amanda Nunes. Just she just didn't get the finish, so she got the UD. 
And with 49.44, 49.46, and 49.45, which if that gives you any indication, like I said, one-way traffic. What's next with the 145 power women's division? Who knows? It is so – the landscape is real bleak there, right? I, I don't I don't see a bunch of other contenders. It, and honestly, Bellator actually has the better 145 power women's division of the companies. I think that's the only uh, division that they can kind of say is, is literally better, uh, deeper – than the UFC is is the Belcher's women's 145. So I don't know I don't know what's going to happen next. <clears throat> I don't think there's any reason that I don't see anybody else who's going to be kind of like the next sexy matchup for Amanda at 45. She's really cleaned it out. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see what they do with it. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I know a lot of my listeners wouldn't mind if they just kind of eradicated the 45 uh, women's division. It, it just doesn't seem to have the contenders because all the best of the best are over in Bellator. So. Uh, moving on to what was the more heartbreaking event of the night last night for me. We had Alexander the Great Volkanovsky <clears throat> versus the choo-choo Blessed Express Max Holloway. Who the fuck would have thunk before the fight that Volk was going to stand in the pocket, was going to pressure Max the entire time, was going to outstrike him, not only power punches, but overall strikes. Not me, not this guy, not this guy who watches everything, not a lot of you, I'm sure, as well. Volkanovsky did what I'm sure very few of us thought he was going to do. He legitimately stalked Max and landed and threw and ate Max's strikes back. Max seemed to tire later in the fight. It definitely was Volkanovsky's night. Everybody knows I love Max Holloway. It pained me to see him lose last night. I still think he's championship caliber. I would definitely like to see them run it back. I don't know if that's what's going to be next. I doubt it. But Max Holloway, you are still a champion to me, dude. I love, love, love you. I love the way you fight. I love everything about you. It was just Volkanovski's night. I thought Volk was going to come out and uh, try to take you down more. I thought he was going to try to mount you ground and pound. I thought that was going to be the game plan. Not at all. He just stalked you and beat you at your own game, which was I'm sure was very confusing to you as well. And before you kind of got into it, he was already way ahead and he was controlling the fight. So all kudos and shout out to Volkanovski, our new 145-pound uh, champion of the UFC. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. Handled it with class. Max handled the loss with class as as we have come to expect from him. So still love the Blast Express. We'll just see what happens next with Alexander the Great. And now, the only thing that could have assaged my downer inside feeling from watching my boy, the Blast Express, get worked was going to be to see Colby Covington get fucking beat. And lo and behold, who did we have come to our rescue but Mr. Kamaru, the Nigerian Nightmare Usman. He put on a performance last night, and I'll talk about Colby in a minute, but Kamaru put on a performance last night of his lifetime. He didn't even go for I mean, I think he faked a takedown at one point, if I'm remembering right, but this dude just stood on his feet and banged it out with Colby Covington. He broke Colby's jaw. Now, it's been confirmed. I know there was some, we're not sure if it is or is it. He really did. He broke Colby's jaw in the third round. Uh, again, just a nonstop back and forth. Kudos to both guys, right? Say what you will about Colby Covington. Everyone knows I'm not a fan of him. I hate the things he says. I hate this vile, villainous character that he has uh, been portraying for who knows how long. But you can't take away from the guy's fighting capability. His cardio is second to none, only matched by Kamaru. His his striking output is unbelievable. It was just, it was such a good fight, man. I loved 
every second of it. Tons of punches landed. Tons of, you know, just heart being shown by both guys. Colby, again, got his jaw broken. I don't know if anybody listening has ever had their jaw broken, but I have, and it's horrible. And the fact that even, like, sipping on some water for the following few weeks was painful as all get out, I can't even imagine what it was like. It reminded me of Artur Abraham from probably 10 or 15 years ago when he had his jaw broken against Edison Miranda in boxing, and it was swollen to, like, four times the normal size, and he kept on fighting. I mean, warrior stuff, dude. It was just unbelievable, the heart and and the skill set put on by these two warriors. The... The, the fight finally was ended kind of mercifully, I thought, at, uh, in round five, at 410 of round five. Camaro had dropped Colby twice. The second time he dropped him, he kind of got like a, like, a, like a back mount on the side, was throwing more punches. The referee stopped it. Colby, of course, being the way that he is, you know, objected to it. Later was trolling Mark Goddard about it, saying, you know, I'm there to kill or be killed. You can't stop it. Dude, you were you were busted up. You were broken. You were done. Camaro deserved to get the stoppage. It was the right move. Colby then, like the bitch that he is, runs out of the cage and runs into the back. Can't stand there like a good sport or like a fucking man and take it like every other guy he's ever beaten was able to do. No, no, no. He's got to run to the back. So Colby has not changed his ways. He was not humbled. But the good news is we all know he got fucked up. He deserved it. I loved Camaro's performance last night. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Colby. I mean, that was a masterful display of cardio and heart. No question about it. Colby Covington, I hope he takes a long hiatus. I hope he takes a, some time to reflect. Maybe he doesn't have to be, act this way anymore. I don't know. We'll see. But, Kamaru, thank you from the bottom of this fan's heart. Thank you for your performance last night. Now, we are going to move our way on from UFC 245 to beautiful Madison Square Garden on the other coast in New York, New York. We had Bud Crawford versus, and then do not butcher, I'm going to butcher the name. Do not give me any shit for butchering this name. His name is Igas, the mean machine, Kavaluskias from Lithuania. Now, yes, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm just going to call him mean machine from here on out, if that's okay with everybody. So we have we have mean machine uh, at 21-0-1, 17 wins by KO, going up against Terrence Bud Crawford on everybody's pound-for-pound list, either number one or number two, usually behind Loma, or a few of them have uh, Canelo. But but for me, it's for my money, it's Bud Crawford all day. Bud Crawford from Omaha, Nebraska, 32 years old, 35-0, and 26 KOs. Again, he's my pound-for-pound best. So this is for the WBO 147, also known as Welterweight Championship of, uh, of Boxing. And Mean Machine, I, I don't know... Where he really, I mean, I know he's from Lithuania. I know he's a two-time Olympian. He's fighting out of Oxnard, California. Very, very rich boxing history there. So uh, he came out, and I don't know where he got this from, but he was like straight stoic. He had no fear of Bud Crawford. He had no fear of the mystique. He had no fear of his hand speed. He just went out there, and he looked calm. He looked in the pocket. The first round or two was a lot of, you know, it was a lot of chess match stuff. It was a lot of jab, jab, move, jab, jab, two, move. Uh, not a lot of clinching, just a lot of, you know, just a lot of kind of feeling out process. And then everything fucking changed in the third. They're exchanging. Mean Machine throws a crisp two straight down the pipe. And for Bud Crawford being a southpaw, righties are often going to land that two more often than they would against an orthodox fighter. So cracks Bud Crawford in the fucking face. Bud kind of falls forward into him. They clinch. And just like for a second, their feet did not get tangled up at all. And Crawford goes to his knees. The referee called it a slip. 
I don't know about that one, fight fans. I would have had to give the uh, I would have to give a, a knockdown to Egan, but or to Egos, excuse me. So Bud Crawford gets up, and I think that was the turning point of the fight. Uh, even though Mean Machine got some confidence from that, Bud Crawford proceeded to really step it up over the next few rounds. Uh, the output was good. He started throwing these uppercuts, which he doesn't usually implore those uppercuts like the way he was throwing them last night. It was really pretty. They were very technically sound. Uh, to Mean Machine's credit, he stood in there, dude, and he took some hard shots. He got dropped. Uh, he got dropped in the seventh, and you know, he got back up. He didn't seem to be too hurt. The seventh round was really one a fun one to watch. It was action packed. It was back and forth. Like I said, Mean Machine got dropped. Crawford landed 23 power punches, dude. You do not see that very often where he landed 23, and he throws hard, and he throws strong fucking shots. Credit to the Mean Machine for even getting up. And then we get into the ninth round, and it was just, it was over. Uh, he dropped him, uh, but he being Bud Crawford, dropped the Mean Machine. And then as soon as he got up, he threw one more punch and dropped him again. Fight over. Bud Crawford, once again, proving himself to be just probably the most unstoppable 147 guy. And since the Errol Spence crash, it doesn't look like we're going to get that fight. And if we ever do, it'll be way down the road, I'm guessing. So I don't know what's next for him. I don't know who his mandatory might be next. But Bud Crawford, again, one of the pound-for-pound, my pound-for-pound best fucking fighter on the planet. Beautiful performance last night. Uh, The MSG crowd looked stronger. And I don't know the seating. I don't know the numbers. But the MSG crowd looked real thick, dude. I didn't watch much of the undercard because I was watching the UFC, but the un- the MSG crowd looked real thick, and there was a lot of open seats at T-Mobile Arena for you 245. So get your shit together, you know, West Side Fight fans, and get there. I would want to watch. I would want to watch everything, dude. I would be there from before the early prelims for sure, and I would love it. But man, there were a lot of open seats there last night. So the uh, the battle of the crowds definitely goes to at least for showing up on time goes to Madison uh, Square Gardens crowd. So. So looking forward to next week's UFC Fight Night from South Korea. We've got Frankie Edgar. God, who doesn't love Frankie Edgar? You want to talk about somebody who has been the epitome of professional, the underdog of underdogs, the guy who got probably got picked last on, on a kickball growing up because he was so small, has just made his whole career out of that guy who has come back from being hurt so many times to win fights. You know, he's a, he's a titleist at 55, which is way above his weight class, naturally would be. He's fighting against, again, another super fan favorite, the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. I mean, dude, this dude, is he's got that name for a reason. He's a Korean zombie. You can hit him and hit him and hit him, and he just comes back. Now, granted, Yair Rodriguez, you know, finished him with like a second left in his last fight with a really strange up elbow. But Chan Sung Jung is known to be fucked with. He's 15 and 5. Frankie Edgar at 23, 7 and 1. I'm going to go Frankie Edgar. Yeah, I think he's going to eke out a decision. I'm going to go split decision, Frankie Edgar. Our next fight in the main card for UFC Fight Night South Korea Vulcan Ozdemir versus Alexander Rakic. Uh, Ozdemir is a good fighter, but whenever he steps up to like the, the highest level of things, he seems to lose. I, he has not looked great. I didn't, I didn't think he, I don't know. I'm going to go definitely Rackick, dude. I'm going Rackick by third round TKO on the feet. Moving our way to the featherweight bout next with Choi Du-Hu, also known as the Korean Superboy. He's going to wreck Charles Jordan, and I mean wreck him. I'm going to go second round clean KO for the Korean Superboy. Uh, next on the docket is a light heavyweight fight between Jung Da-Un versus Mike Rodriguez. 
I don't know Mike Rodriguez. Full disclosure, fight fans, there's also people that we as podcasters are not familiar with. Mine would be Mike Rodriguez. Don't know him. I know he's 9301. That's all I got. I've seen Jung Daoon fight before. I like him. He's strong. He shucks off guys who try to take him down. I'm going to go him by unanimous decision. My last pick for the main card of UFC Fight Night South Korea, Park Jung Young versus Mark andre I'm not even going to try the last name. It's Barry Quay, something like that. Um, I'm going to go Mark andre unanimous decision. So that's my picks for – I know it's hard when we have, like, a great card like last night, like one of those super sexy three titles on the line. You know, all the narratives are there, the bad blood with Colby and Kamaro. I know it's hard to go to the next show that does not have the same sexy names on it, that doesn't have the star power that's also out of the country. I mean, I get it's hard to get as geeked and amped and excited, but this this card could have some good performances on it. Those cards kind of sneak up on you sometimes. So I know it won't be as hot as last I was, but it'll still be a good card, I think. Um, I'm really looking forward to I'm always looking forward to see Frankie Edgar and the Korean Zombie. You know, it's hard. It's one of those situations where I love both guys. I want to see them both do well. So, again, I, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Uh, so we all need to, you know, we all need to remain fans. We can't turn into casuals, people. We got to watch what we love, which is MMA. And a UFC card, even in South Korea, with some names that we don't maybe know, still has the potential to be really, really fun. So now at this point in the show, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into some fan questions. I, I know I put it on pretty late uh, in the uh, on the Twitterverse. I just put it on this morning. And asked those. So I got some nice responses. Uh, I definitely want to shout out the guys who, all you guys who, uh, you know, Wrote in some questions. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do three of them, just because we're kind of you know that's far far as our time constraint goes. So uh, the first one comes from at B Holster. What was your favorite KO from last night? Because there were several. Uh, obviously, Jan over Faber was great with the uh, rarely seen front head kick to the face. Uh, Soriano, you know the early one, the kid from Hawaii with a great one over a Pachota. But for me, honestly, it was Aldana over Vieta. It's rare in women's MMA to see punching knockouts. We've seen plenty of kicks. We've seen plenty of knees. We've seen ground and pound. But just standing up, a straight shot, it reminded me kind of like kind of like when Rose knocked out JJ. There was that kind of that looping left hook. But, I mean, it hit Vieta right on the fucking button. She did not need She could have walked off off that one, but she didn't. She came down. But, and she didn't do anything wrong. The ref's got to pull her away. But she went down and landed two more stiff shots to an already incapacitated Vieta. So that left hook, man, that was my favorite KO from last night. I just, you just, it's, I like seeing things you don't see very often. Um, and I like seeing the stand up punching KO from, from Aldana. So that was my favorite from last night. So thank you, B Holster. Uh, moving next to from uh, Stacia S. Uh, should Uriah Faber retire? Uh, no, no is my immediate answer to that. Uh, he signed a six fight deal. He even said going into this, he didn't think he'd do all six. He he ran into Petri Jan last night, my friends. This is not some. This is not Ricky Simone. This is not somebody who I think Uriah should be fighting at this stage of his career. To his own credit, and probably to detriment, he thought he could win this fight. I didn't think so. I didn't think there was any way. I would love to see Uriah Faber fight two or three more times against guys like he would fought recently, Ricky, against Brad Pickett. You know, this this type of guy, the guy, he, look, Uriah Faber is still such a name, and he's still so beloved by so many of us. He could still be the head, you know, 
he can still be the head prelim. You know what I mean? He could be the main event of the prelims. And he's gonna he's gonna draw people because people love him. People love hearing, dude, as soon as that California love hits, you know you were shaking in your seat and rooting for Ryan Faber, even if it was on the inside. So again, I would like to see him fight two or three more times, maybe. You know, we're the same age, so part of that is, you know, <laughs> is personal for me. Like, come on, man, you can keep going for all of us in the 40 club. Uh, and I think he can. I really do think he's still got the skills to do it, just not against a killer like Petrion. So, like I said, no, I don't want to see you retire. I'd love to see you fight a couple more times. So that was for that one. Uh, from Deja at Deja Crew 423 uh, what were my thoughts on Jessica I missing weight by five pounds after previously going to the painstaking level of creating a video, basically calling out Sajara Eubanks and making fun of her for not making weight and talking shit to her and talking down to her and being demeaning to her. What are my thoughts on that, Deja? Thank you for the question. Uh, bad. <laughs> I feel like Jessica I made herself look real Real bad by missing my five fucking pounds. Yes, she got the decision, but you you literally made a video and put it out on social media talking shit about Sajara Eubanks not making weight. And then you not only miss weight, but you miss weight by an egregious amount. You made yourself look terrible, Jessica I. And your constant badgering to try to get on the Joe Rogan experience is sad, thirsty, and all other things lame. So big time lame, all onions, no kudos to you, all onions to Jessica I. Even though you got the win, five pounds over, bullshit. Yeah, definitely, definitely dork status continues for her. And I want to like her because she's a Midwesterner, but yeah, definitely not claiming you anymore, Jessica I. You are donezo as far as the rhino is concerned. So we are now careening towards the end of our fucking show. Here's the point of the show where I love, love, love to give my shout-outs to uh, my beautiful, wonderful MMA Twitter familia, Marquise John from Week Sauce Radio, Dave Freitz. What up, dude? You are the man. I appreciate your kind words so much. The king of MMA Twitter, Jim Asun, unsolicited fight picks, Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, my man Gator, again, really, really appreciate the words, man. I, I That really made my heart fucking feel awesome. Uh, from what you wrote last time on Twitter. So uh, thank you, sir. Ashley, the MMA nerd, Drea, Derek Lewis, Hot Balls, G from OTV. I am Shannon, though. Miss Marty, who, again, I voted has the best hair of MMA Twitter, and I stand by it. I stand by that. Best hair on MMA Twitter. Uh, thank you so much, Deja, for the question and for just being overall super-duper awesome. Uh, the Deadbeat MMA cast, you guys, seriously, I wish I could mention everybody. You guys have all been so wonderful with this new launch of the new show. It's a little scary to go out on your own when you kind of everybody kind of knows one side of things, um, one side of the way it was with a show like ours was. But now doing this on my own, it's, it's you know it's a whole new ballpark. And I've got the best fucking engineer in the world. I've got the best music director in the world. A beautiful studio. I am so comfortable now. You guys have all had such great feedback. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Love, love, love you guys. And so for me, the Rhino from Combat Sports with Rhino, big shout out to all you guys. Love, love, love you. And we'll see you next week.